0: the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. With your host, Jamie Eves. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number one of The Drum Shuffle. I'm Jamie Eads. As a brand new podcast, let me take a moment to give a quick overview of our goals for this show, uh, or our mission statement, really. I've been a drummer for the past 28 years, and about 25 of those years I've been playing professionally, so I've been very lucky. When I started, I wish there would have been something like this podcast or what I hope this podcast to become. My life revolves around basically three things and has always revolved around these three things. My family, drums and drumming, and music in general. I suspect that most of you tuning in are huge music lovers or drummers or are just really interested in what drummers talk about. So it's my sincere hope to be able to share some real world tips, tricks, and advice with other drummers, musicians, and music lovers around the globe. Our goal for the Drum Shuffle is to help Fellow drummers, further their careers, uh, improve their sound both live and in the studio, learn about awesome new gear, who doesn't love new gear, and really hear from some of the best drummers, gear companies, producers, managers, industry insiders, and other fellow musicians from around the globe through the show's guest interviews. Certainly thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoy the show. Okay, now that we have that out of the way, I don't want to waste any time getting to today's interview. I'm really pumped to have one of my longtime drum brothers and a truly great friend to me on as the very first guest of the Drum Shuffle, Brian LaRue. Brian is the Director of U.S. Operations for Dream Symbols and Gongs located in Toronto, Canada. So let's welcome Brian to the Drum Shuffle. Brian, man, how's it going?
1: Good, Jamie. Uh, it's getting going, Yeah, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, finally waking up, finishing coffee, you know, stuff happens.
0: So. A man after my own heart, drinking coffee at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I love it. So, hey, I wanted to say thanks uh, for your time and, and talking with us here on the Drum Shuffle. Welcome to the show.
1: No, thank you. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. Glad to be uh, your first guest. That's an honor, man. Trust me.
0: Well, we wouldn't have it any other way. You and I go way, way back, so uh, I wanted to make sure you got on the show right off the top. So let me ask you this. Um, give us uh, and our listeners a little bit of your background. Now, I know you're a drummer, which is always cool uh, You know, to have a drummer on as the first guest of a drum show, but... Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Well, uh, I got into drumming when I was about eight, nine years old, and just kind of uh, the pastor, actually, at the church I was attending had a drum set in his office, and he used to let me come in and bang around on it, and it just kind of stuck with me. Uh, then when, uh, kind of fast forward a little bit, when I was getting into middle school and the band program was available, uh, my sisters had always played uh, saxophone, clarinet, flute, you know, different things. So I kind of I grew up in a band background. So of course I wanted to jump into it, and because we didn't have drums available, my parents kind of forced me to play clarinet. And it was a good, you know, learning experience. Uh, I got to learn about reading music and different things like that. But it you know, differed from what would happen in the percussion section. But after breaking six clarinets, they kind of surrendered and gave up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, eighth grade I started playing drums, and there we go. <laughs>
0: Well, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, we'll have to talk offline about how you break six clarinets. That that seems like some sort of record to me.
1: <laughs> oh, I can say it in one simple word, bleachers.
0: Oh, I got you. Okay, well, it happens. Amazing
1: what happens when you drop one off the top bleacher.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you must not have been a very good clarinet player if they had you on the top of the, the bleachers. You know, you you weren't down front with the good clarinet players. Is that is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. I never did take that. Oh, I kid, I kid. Um, so you've been a drummer for for most of your life. Um, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how you got into the 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 career that you're in now. I know you didn't start you know right off the bat at dream cymbals and gongs. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into the gear companies it was it just sort of your first job out of college or did you you know accidentally fall into it uh let you know tell us how you got where you're at today
1: i think saying accidentally fell into it is kind of a good description um i have always been a little bit of a gear nerd and have always been very fortunate to have had great drum shops around me that. Let me hang out. Let me poke at things, and let me take things apart, and let me fix things. So it's a uh, it it kind of happened. Um, first drum shop I used to hang out with or hang out at was, if I remember correctly Pro Beat Drum Shop, which was owned by a guy named Carl Peterson, who actually later went on to found the or to, to be the guy who created the Masterworks program for Pearl. Um, oh wow! Carl used to let me hang out in his shop. He used to let me you know fix drum sets things like that. And then when him and his wife Debbie closed down the store, uh, another friend of mine introduced me to 2112 Percussion, which uh eventually became kind of like my home away from home for many, many, many years. And uh yeah, I and mean, Steve let me come in at Christmas, put together drum sets, he bought me hot dogs. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those trade-off things, you know, and slowly but surely I kinda earned my place there and, you know, I was working at a movie theater, and one day Witt called and said, hey, Jeremy's going on the road. Do you want a gig? And I took it. So just kind of, yeah, I mean, spent years working at the shop, spent years hanging out with the various teachers, going out on the road doing tech work for different people, and you know, just really absorbing as much of the music scene as I could. And eventually, a position opened up at Pentech Electronic Percussion, which electronic drums and electronic percussion and MIDI and the whole kind of scene back then was like a big, 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 uh, big passion of mine. And they offered me an opportunity to come in and work for, work in R&D and I took it and kind of the rest is history.
0: Cool. Awesome. So, um, after your time at Pintech, um, you know, in, in efforts of full disclosure, uh, you know, I am, uh, an artist on the, the dream symbols roster. Uh, that's how we met. Um, yep. I know that dream is currently celebrating their 10th anniversary, uh, of being in business. Um, so how long have you been at dream and how did you end up with those guys?
1: Uh, well, uh, after I left Pentech, I uh, was been recruited by Ray Hott to work for tie drums out in, uh, out in California. So I moved out there, spent a year out working in the offices out there, kind of doing what I could. And eventually just decided California really wasn't where I wanted to be. So I moved back east to North Carolina and I ran the Thai offices from North Carolina for probably about three or four years and just got to a point where I needed a change of scenery. So I actually left Thai and started a rep firm called LaRue Sales. And I didn't know Andy or didn't know really anything about dream, but I knew Ryan and Darren with mountain rhythm, which were kind of at that point was kind of the sister company to dream. And I called them and said, Hey guys, I know your drums. I'm trying to do this. Can I sell your stuff? And they were like, you know, they were really cool about it. And they also opened up dream to me as a possible option. You know, it's like, Hey, well you can do mountain rhythm drums and you can do dream symbols, which was great. I also picked a premiere had silver Fox drumsticks. From fun learning CDs and stuff like that, so just basically building a small catalog, and I did that from April 2008 till basically October. Uh, and in October, Andy had kind of, I guess, come to, to terms with different things within the business and was ready to separate from Mountain Rhythm to see if you know, Dream could grow on its own. And he called me, said, "Hey." this is what's going to happen. This is what's going on. Do you want to be part of it? And, you know, I have to say it's probably the easiest yes I've ever said and probably the most important yes I've ever said. And from that point on, it's basically was me and it, it was the two of us.
0: No doubt about it. So, can you give us some insight to the the company history of dream? You know, obviously uh, you know you mentioned Andy, we're talking about Andy Morris, who is the the founder and and owner of Dream. Um, give us a little bit of history on how dream came to be.
1: Well, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the exact time frame was, somewhere around two thousand and five in that neighborhood two thousand four, two thousand and five. Andy and uh, one of our one of the old business partners, Stephen Eelhart, were, as far as I know, touring China and doing. You know, they're they're both professional musicians. uh, Probably were playing on an orchestra, and they found this factory where they were, you know, building gongs and things like that. And of course, that's a big thing for Andy. Is you know, he's a big gong guy, especially in the orchestral side of the world. So they had asked them to try and make some Western style cymbals, and they did. Apparently, they were not bad and like you said it's some of the some of the details are a little bit gray for me uh, just you know hearing them side from you know different people side to side kind of thing but you know from that point what I you know from what I understand is they basically created the bliss line um, and then the contacts kind of came about shortly thereafter the energy was a completely different symbol than what you actually see today uh, different logos different I mean they were brilliant for lack of any you know. <laughs> For you, there you go. They were brilliant. They were heavy. They were cast in a different way than our regular cymbals are. And, you know, know, they'd created some lines. And in the early days when I first came on board, um, the company, like I said, had been around by that point for a few years. I was kind of, I guess, fine tuning the instruments. But we didn't even actually have anything other than crash rides in the early days. There were some hi hats, you know, there were bliss hi hats. Um, but everything was crash ride. It was 16 and 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, you know, they were all crash rides. And slowly over time, uh, you know, as the company grew and grew and grew, uh, the lines kind of developed further. Uh, we added ride symbols in, splash symbols, uh, really fine tuned what we were doing with the bliss and the contact and the energies. And uh, yeah. it's just kind of grown I mean, for you know, from really incontestable stages. Uh, and like I said, it wasn't even I don't think a planned thing to do with symbol company. It just people believed in the instruments. The instruments got better. And uh, eventually Andy bought out uh, Stephen and you know, all the other partners in the business and now he is a CR. And that kind of brings us to where we are today, you know, celebrating our 10th anniversary, uh, with the new limited edition ride symbols coming out and then just a lot of fun family camaraderie at the NAM show. And yeah, it's been a, uh, been a really good ride.
0: Sure. Well, speaking of Nam, you know, as we're recording this, um, just, just post Nam, uh, I guess it was last week, um, Tell us a little bit about, uh, you mentioned the 10th anniversary symbol, really like for our listeners to understand what that is. So that was kind of the, the big new product at Nam for this year for Dream Symbols. Tell us a little bit about that project and, and where folks can find those.
1: Well, they're being done in a very, very limited quantity. Officially, there are 150 that were produced: 50 for artists, 100 for worldwide retail. Uh, Of those 100 that are available for retail, 60 of them are coming to the North American market, uh, so we'll have those in the U.S. I think Canada gets 10 for themselves, but I haven't heard the final numbers on that. So yeah, they'll be available at dealers around the country. Uh, They're going to street price for around 429, and what they are are a limited edition, serialized symbol that was hand-patinated by one of a handful of various Dream staff members. And by that, they used different kind of acids, different kind of uh, materials and things like that to actually change the top finish of the symbol. They're based on the small bell, flat, contact 24. Uh, They've got great bow, great crash, great bell. But beyond that, they're just really beautiful pieces of artwork.
0: I've been fortunate to uh, see some sneak previews of these guys. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm going to boast a little bit here and say mine should be on its way anytime. And I can't wait to get my hands on it. So uh, thank you guys for that. Uh, but in Absolutely, lo- man. Thank you for being part of the family. Oh, oh man, I, I love being part of the Dream family. Um, with that being said, if if the listeners haven't seen these things yet... Um, they literally, not only do they sound great and you can play them, but when you pick one of these up, I think a lot of folks are probably going to frame them or hang it on their wall as a piece of art. They're, they're literally that beautiful. So with that being said, um, you know, uh, it's just really amazing. And I know that that Andy and, and Julia and some other folks on the Dream staff have really been hard at work doing the artistry to make them look the way they look. Um, so if you haven't checked these out, please do so. Um, so I'll switch gears just a little bit, Brian. Um, sure. I know the answer to this, uh, but our listeners may not. What makes Dream Symbols so different and, and unique from other manufacturers?
1: Well, it's a twofold answer. Symbol-wise, um, for Symbol's sake, uh, the manufacturing process really makes one of the biggest differences. It's what gives them their character, which, it's what, gives them their, what gives them their sound, and kind of gives them the texture that you get when you play them. Uh we make them the way they did a hundred years ago versus the way a lot of manufacturers make them now, which they'll cast their ingot, but then they run it through a machine which actually, you know, flat presses it to an into basically a wafer-thin object before shaping. We actually still pull ours under a you know gigantic hammer while they're still molten hot with tongs to basically get them into a flat form before they actually go into hand shaping, uh, which makes a huge difference uh when you talk when you get down to the character of the symbol and you know the overtones and the way they sound. Uh, beyond that, uh, what makes Dream different from a lot of the other similar companies is honestly the staff, uh, you know, the people that actually are running the company, the way the company's you know run. I mean, it's, it's it makes a difference. You know, we treat everybody like family. You know, it's even down to our you know smallest dealer. You know, we care about what they think about the company, how they view what we do as a company, and uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just we try to be a very ethical company. And a very transparent company you know, with everybody. I mean, you know, artists, you know, dealers, you know, anybody. And I think that does make a huge difference. You know, it's you know, it, it gives pers- it gives a little bit of a personal touch to you know what a lot of people just you know, consider just to be business. Uh, so I think that does make us you know stand out a little bit. Uh, you know, there's also the other great things like the recycling program, you know, the fact that we as a company have worked very hard to make our manufacturing process ecologically friendly, you know, it's, you know, as, it's all little things, but you know, it all makes a difference.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I was going to bring up the recycling program. Um, tell us a little bit about how that works uh, when you go into a, a an authorized dream dealer.
1: Uh, basically, we will buy anybody's broken symbol as long as it's not brass uh, for a dollar an inch, and they're able to use that credit towards the purchase of any Dream product. From the consumer perspective of it, you know they're taking something that was broken and ultimately, hopefully, at some point, turning it into something that will be you know another useful, valuable instrument to somebody else. They're also getting you know great product for great value. So there's you know there's two benefits from the dealer perspective you know, they're able to take in this broken metal, which will give them credit for, you know, and they're able to then purchase dream product, which, you know, they sell, they make money on it, but the initial purchase price was already credited. So they're getting, in essence, money for free. So it works out both ways.
0: Absolutely. So if I'm understanding correctly, What you're saying is if I have a couple of, uh, you know, 20 inch ride symbols laying around that are broken or, or they're just no longer of any use to me, instead of having to deal with, you know, Craigslist or eBay or something like that, I can take those two 20 inch ride symbols into an authorized dream dealer and give them to the dealer and get $40 off towards the purchase of a dream product. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. And then on the back side of it, what we do with the actual materials when they come back to us, any symbol that has a 14-inch area that's usable or larger ends up going to a water jet facility and is cut a couple of times and turns into the base materials for the crop circles, the naughty saucers and the re-effects bells.
0: So you guys are
1: at- so you're getting credit, and then we're able to use the material to make something new.
0: Absolutely. So just because it's a broken cymbal doesn't mean you guys are throwing it in the trash someplace, which is something that I find just totally cool that you guys do, uh, is the fact that you're actually putting that metal to use for a new instrument that will go to a good home eventually, we hope.
1: Absolutely. And even the scrap stuff that we can't really use much for or use much to do anything with, we actually melt that stuff down and they become Cratali's. So we try to use as much of it as possible.
0: So, yeah, that's fantastic. So, uh, there's no need for people to take their broken symbols and, and have a big round of death frisbee or anything like that in the backyard. They can, (laughs) they can actually put these things to work and, and have them rehomed eventually by dream, which is, I, I think it's just super cool. And, and, you know, kudos to you guys for doing it. Thank you. You're welcome. So I, switch gears a little bit here again um we've heard some words like bliss contact energy those are the different lines um that that dream has um and then there's some you know subcategories within those lines um you know one of the things that i wanted to ask was you know who are your symbols for what applications um etc so You know, for for me personally, um, I I would love to hear you talk a little bit about the dark matter symbols and and that process, because I think it's really unique. And um, quite honestly, a lot of companies are now trying to copy that. Um, But you guys were really innovators with the dark matter stuff. But, you know, just real quick, if you can say, okay, if you're a jazz drummer, here's the line that you're probably going to lean towards if you're a rock guy, this is the line you're probably going to look at the hardest, uh, etc. Uh, but especially tell us about the the Dark Matter line. I, I think our listeners will be really uh, uh, curious to hear about that.
1: Uh, I guess I can go ahead and start. I'll start with the Dark Matters because they, you're right. They're, it's an interesting process that they go through. Um, the initial concept behind the Dark Matter series was just honestly trying to refire some of the symbols that we'd already manufactured, just to see what would happen. Um, Think of it as a phoenix rising from the ashes, so to speak. Um, And I think that was really kind of the concept in the beginning. So what we did was we took a batch of energies. uh, The line started out with the ERI-20s, ERI-22s, and the ECR-16s and 18s. and what we did was we took them, stuck them back in the fire, brought them back up to molten temperatures. Once they came out, they were then re-tempered, rehammered, and basically left dirty. Which is why they have the kind of black characteristics that they do is because that's actually from the from the fire. Uh, they're not relaved. they're not uh you know, there's nothing crazy, they're not reshaped or anything like that. It's just the simple tempering process, which brings the pitch down, uh changes some of the overtones, again along with the rehammering. And uh, yeah. they kind of became what they were. Uh, so we kept them around as far as the line went and kind of expanded into the small bell or the uh, flat earth 20s and 22s, which were essentially small bell flat 20s and 22s that were originally produced, but we didn't put out because when we decided to do the 24s, they took off. So we just kind of kept the blessing contacts at 24s. However, somebody at the factory decided to fire them and they came out beautifully. So we, uh, added those to the line, the moon rides, which are unlike a lot of the other dark matters, they are completely unlaved to begin with. There's no secondary process that goes along with them. They're just essentially anvils with tone, which is kind of how the concept happened. Um, i had asked Andy to make me a really, really heavy ride because we didn't have anything that kind of matched that in our catalog. And he created something for me which I currently have sitting in my cymbal bag, which is a dark matter moon ride that is a 22 inch and has roughly an eight and a half to nine inch bell. Uh, it looks completely freakish sitting next to one of the current actual production models. But <laughs> That's kind of where it started. It, uh, it took about three years before he actually brought it over from the factory because it basically just sounded like garbage, according to him. And eventually <laughs> it took tone go figure one day it sounded good. So yeah, I brought it back. And well, like I said, it's not the production model. Uh, mine's considerably flatter with this gigantic massive like thing sitting on top of it. But, uh, we figured it out and they became, you know, kind of the weird oddball, you know, redheaded stepchild of the dark matter line. Cause like I said, unlike everything else, they're in, in no way, shape or form repro or like reheated or anything like that, they're just a gigantic mass of metal.
0: Right. Well, and, and, you know, I've, I've heard those guys and, and tried them out. And it's, if you're playing some, some hardcore metal, that's, that's the ride <laughs> for you. No doubt about it. Cause,
1: <laughs> oh, I, it's a grindcore, baby. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I don't care how many Marshall stacks you have on the stage, you will hear the moon ride through those stacks guaranteed. It's, it's,
1: yeah, I would say, uh, it's a beast. <laughs> it, well,
0: you took the word right out of my mouth. It is definitely a beast. And, you know, personally, I'm playing a 22-inch uh, Dark Matter Energy ride, um, which was my first Dream Symbol. And I, I think I purchased that way back, I don't know, five years ago. Um, and Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and it, it is still my go-to ride. I have other ride symbols uh, from Dream, um, I, I have an Eclipse ride, which is kind of, you know, a half dark matter. It was a, a prototype that you guys graciously sold to me. Um, but uh, the, the dark matter energy, um, I, every studio session I go play, I will try different rides. And every engineer, every producer always says, nope, use, use that one, the dark one. Um, it just sounds great in the studio, it sounds great live fantastic symbol. So thanks, thanks for making those for all of us.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's an interesting thing, you know, it's, it, you were asking for comparisons on different lines on uh, what type of drummer might be attracted to which line. And it's an interesting, you know, this is an interesting way to segue into that conversation, especially after the Dark Matters, because the Dark Matter energy ride is honestly one of the most popular rides that we have. Across multiple platforms of music across different genres uh it's always it's kind of become like a go-to for a lot of guys i mean you know you being a rock guy i've got metal guys that play them i've got jazz guys that play them honestly so it's it's in some ways hard to say which line a drummer might be attracted to it's we well it kind of falls into the way we did our the way we set up our pricing too originally when dream was founded yes we had separate lines kind of in the sense of bliss was one price point contact was one price point energy was one price point dark matters fell into it and they became a different price point and what we kept finding was is that drummers weren't necessarily picking symbols based on what they were hearing they were picking symbols based on you know it could be a jazz guy but he wanted a contact but he had cash for the bliss so that's what he ended up with right you know, so in a lot of, in a lot of ways, when we first started out, bliss was always the most popular line, not necessarily just because of sound, but honestly because of price. And as we adjusted to the sound price, uh, the sound pricing policy that we've got, uh, where it's based literally on what you're hearing, because you know bliss is the same price as contact now, contact is the same price as energy now, it's the same thing. Uh, the only ones that really have a different price point at all are dark matters and like. You know, processing more than anything else, but
0: well, uh, it's because it we found they that it's because they go through a, a different process, and it takes a lot longer to make a dark matter than it does a bliss. am Am I correct in saying that?
1: Absolutely, they actually age the dark matters a little bit. Uh, they're you know they're they're hanging out way before we actually get them into production because they do take a little bit of time to mature uh, after the second firing. You know, because it, it stresses the metal to no end. I mean, you know, you're taking it from. You know finished product and bringing it back to literally red hot molten temperatures you know before tempering it again and all of that so uh it is yeah you know, so that's the reason there's a little bit of a higher price point for that, and it's not even that much it's you know it's nominal when you get down to the prices of other symbols against comparison pricing but uh what we've found is since we've changed our price policies that this spectrum of symbols have really opened up to more drummers regardless of genre honestly. You know, it's uh, in some cases it's you know you've got guys that are playing bliss that are in metal bands. You've got a lot of gospel guys that are using bliss or contact in combination because of you know what, you know what type of room they're in, what they're trying to fill. Uh, you've got you know rock guys that play dark matter and you know bliss and then contact thrown in for fun. You know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, it's, uh, I can't say that any one symbol is geared towards any certain application. I think it's all based on what the drummer's listening to and what they want to hear when they're performing.
0: Well, and, and you know, that's the thing that that drew me to Dream to begin with. And, you know, there was a, um, you know, a really big Americana record uh, that that came out in 2013. And at the time, the, the guy that played on that record, whom I'm not going to name, was with Dream at that time. Um, and, you know, I reached out to him and I said, you know, my God, what are those symbols on that record? And, you know, he said, you know, it's a, a dream dark matter ride. You know, I think he was playing a really big bliss crash. Um, you know, so my first foray was the ride symbol and, you know, my setup has evolved over time over the past five years. Um, you know, but I'm using, you know, a combination of dark matter, energy, bliss um you know i've got some contacts in my bag uh so so to your point i'm using symbols from across all of your product lines um you know not to mention you know the the crop circle you know i've got a couple of those laying around Uh, i've got a a pang you know china type symbol um you've got the the libor Hadrava you know stack of effects symbols you know which is kind of a you know either a crash or a splash with a little tiny you know inverted pang symbol on it uh for really cool effects so you know my symbol bag is full of dream stuff from across all the lines and as you and i joke uh, a lot of times you know not to take anything away from our guitar playing brethren but if a guitar player is playing a blue guitar it's because it was 50 bucks cheaper than the red one <laughs> you know it's exactly it, so we as drummers i think have a little bit more unique perspective in that you know it, it's what does it sound like and what is the application not saying guitar players don't do that but for us we can't change our symbols out between songs you know, so we we exactly. have we have to find that spectrum that's going to work for for whatever gig we're on or whatever studio session we're on. So uh, it's really cool that me as a drummer, I can say, okay, how much does a twenty-inch crash ride cost? And it's going to be the same price across the lines. Exactly. So I can find the symbol that works best for my application, pick that up, and it, it's not. I don't have to sacrifice the sound I need based on my pocketbook, which exactly. is yeah, which is awesome. So, um, I, Brian, tell us a little bit about the dealer network for Dream. Um, you know, if I'm listening in, you know, Kalamazoo, Michigan, or Phoenix, Arizona, where do I go to figure out where my local Dream dealer is located?
1: Well, we've got a uh, dealer locator on the website, which is actually kept up to date pretty much monthly, thanks to Julia. And uh, you can go on there, check by zip code, check by city state, and uh, definitely can find somebody somewhere. And if you can't reach out to your local music store and find out why you can't, Uh, you know, we've got we had a lot of guys come up to the show this year that said they put out, you know, the question on social media. It's like, Hey, what should we be carrying? And I was honestly surprised how many people came through the booth and said that we were the answer. You know, it's like, you're not carrying this. We want this product. You know, that's how it, that stuff kind of, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, you know, reach out to your local music store and ask if you can't find us. The other thing is, we've got a lot of great online retailers like Chicago Music Exchange, Cassie Interstate Music, uh, Arizona Perk Drum Shop, GearTree.com. Uh, those guys can always help you find stuff. Uh, if uh, if you can't find it locally, you can always find it there.
0: That's fantastic. And, um, you know, just to mention it, the, the website is dreamsymbols.com. Uh, so yes. be, be sure to hit the Dream Symbols website. And, folks, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me as well if you're having a hard time finding these in your local music store. And I will pass that information on to Brian. Uh, I'm sure you are always interested to know that somebody's looking for your product in a particular geographic location so that you guys can go scope out the music stores. Um, So feel free to reach out to me. My email address is podcast at gmail.com. So we'll be happy to forward those emails on to Brian.
1: you can also reach out to Ed Squires on our social media network as well uh, via Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter or anything. He's always out
0: there looking for info and passes it on too. Absolutely, and and Ed is is a great guy, and uh, we're very hopeful that we can get Ed to share links to the podcast here uh, to to all Absolutely. of the the dream lovers out there, so that we can spread the word a, about you know what we're trying to do with the podcast and you know the outreach and education that we're hoping to provide to drummers. So Brian, uh, you know, again, I appreciate your time, uh, but I do want to switch gears just a little bit here one more time. Um, love talking about gear, love talking about dream symbols, but we are all dying to know who are your favorite drummers, uh, your favorite bands, uh what really gets you going in the morning what what do you put on your iphone or or you know your big stereo system to get the blood pumping every morning
1: i uh, it, it
0: could be anything usually it's children yelling <laughs>
1: but
0: <laughs> oh, honestly so you know, so, so you, li- drummers go- you live in that house too then i guess yeah absolutely <laughs> for sure No, as far as drummers go,
1: man, you know, honestly, I've had some favorites over the years for varying reasons. Uh, Different bands have, you know, been into for you know one reason or another. And uh, honestly, it's it's kind of funny as I've gotten older, I have less favorites and more general. Just you know, it's like to hear something in the morning. It's like, oh, there you go. You know, find something like that that inspires you. But uh, I have to say, throughout the years, probably my ultimate all-time favorites were probably. Matt Chamberlain, always dug him. Matt Cameron uh, from Soundgarden, of course, now Pearl Jam. Yeah, Um, you know I I was a Neil Peart fan for a long time, and you can't grow up—you can't grow up working at some place called Twenty One Twelve and not be into Neil Peart. (laughs) Um,
0: Goes without saying, right?
1: Yeah, you just kind of—that one's inherent. You know, you have to have that one. Uh, you know, it, it varies, you know, like I said, I've, I've had a lot, of, and I'll say this too, I mean, throughout the course of my career, I've had the opportunity to, opportunity to work with a lot of drummers uh, in a lot of different capacities, I mean, from Charlie Adams, from Yanni, to Rob from Linkin Park, I mean, it's, there's been tons of guys, you know, through different genres that I've had the pleasure and opportunity of working with and to say that, you know, I kind of feel like saying any one particular guy is my favorite probably unfair to every other guy who probably was my favorite at one point. So, um, yeah, again, I, I appreciate drummers playing. I hear you. They're picking up sticks in the morning and there you go. That's, you know, that guy's my favorite then.
0: Well, I mean, it, it is what makes the world go round, you know, for, for drummers is just to know that somebody out there is picking up a pair of sticks and, you know, going to the shed and trying to improve our craft. Uh, that, that Exactly. That's what it's all about. And, you know, I, I think that's what all of us try to do is is just to try to get better as a player and as a musician every single day. So so I appreciate your honesty in saying I can't pick just one because I can't either. And I, I don't know too many drummers that, that can say, Oh, my all-time favorite is Neil, or my all-time favorite is is Bonham. Cause yeah. always, invariably, the next breath is and <laughs> you know, and they, they just keep yeah, totally. they, they just keep going down the list, and there's so many guys out there. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention I, I mentioned Libor's name earlier. Uh, who is a dream artist, um, but I would be remiss uh, in the same sentence if I didn't mention Scott Pellegrim, uh, who is also a dream artist. And, and, you know, we talked about the crop circle and the naughty saucer. That's kind of his signature product in the dream lines. Um, yep. If folks haven't checked out Scott's playing on his social media channels, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go check out Scott Pellegrim, uh because he is doing stuff that is just unnatural. It's insane. And he does it with a smile. that just makes you want to slap him a little bit. Yeah, and, <laughs> absolutely. And not only does he do it with a smile, he does it with a, uh, you know, with Pegasus, the adventure dog, his his chihuahua in, you know, the <laughs> the, the, the pouch on his hoodie. He, he actually plays drums with yep. his dog, which is, I you know, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm just going to say, go do a, an internet search for Scott Pellegrim. Um, so the, the Dream artist roster is just chock full of talent. Um, you know. So, so by all means, visit the artist page when you go over to, to DreamSymbols.com. Um, Brian, one last thing before we let you go and get back to, uh, to your day. Uh, any parting advice or words of wisdom for drummers? Um, and I think you have a very unique perspective here because not only are you a drummer... Not only have you, you know, uh, worked as a drummer in bands, etc., but you're now on the, the gear side uh, of the industry. So tell us, you know, anything, whether it's how to become a better player or, you know, how to form a relationship with a gear company. Just give us your parting advice or words of wisdom. Well,
1: there's probably two. Uh, one from my good buddy Carl Peterson uh, from the first drum shop that I ever hung out in. Never dismiss children. You never know which ones are going to end up running a drum company. <laughs> 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 always been one of my favorites. I love Carl to death. I actually still see him periodically at the show. So um, that was always one of my favorites because he never, he never treated me like a kid. He just let me hang out, let me do stuff. He talked to me like I was a person and I learned a lot from him and kind of the same thing as Steve Johnson from 2112. And it's, Again, same thing. He never really, never treated me like a kid. He just treated me like somebody who's in the drum shop. And I always appreciated that. So, you know, never dismiss kids. You never know what they're going to end up doing. Uh, the other side of it would be, uh, just never take a relationship for granted. Everybody you, know, you encounter throughout your life is going to place some pivotal pivotal point in it at some point, probably. Uh, be it in music, be it in business. Yeah. it's it's not something to take for granted. You know, everybody I've ever met in my career has helped me to where I am today. You know, guys like Josh Touchton from Natal, who I've known since he was the phone guy at Mapex when I was in my early twenties. Um, you know, there there are people that stick throughout your life. That yes, in one way, shape, or form, you may not know it when you meet them, but they could be the stepping stone that makes the difference in getting where you want to go and don't give up.
0: So true. Um great words of wisdom and advice uh for our listeners. Uh Brian, I, I can't thank you enough uh A for coming on the show and being our very first guest. Uh B for just being a drum brother to me. Um you know, I love our, you know, regular calls that we have and and we discuss Folks, it's not just about talking about symbols, uh, you know. And when Brian talks about relationships, um, you know, Brian talks to my thirteen-year-old daughter about all things Harry Potter, which is just so cool, you know. It's um, Go
1: U.S. Quidditch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I know I took you uh, from from some of the catching up on some of the regional Quidditch matches today. So so thanks for taking the time away from from your other hobby. Um, you know, but I, I can't thank you enough just for, for hanging out and talking to me, um, you know, all the time. And, and I know you're that way with, with all the guys on your artist roster or just drummers or dealers in general. Um, it, we really appreciate you just being a cool guy and, and helping everybody out. We, we thank you from the bottom of our heart.
1: Man, thank you for having me on the show. And, you know, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. This is new experience for me. I've never done it. So thank you for popping my cherry.
0: <laughs> hey, no problem, man. Um, you know, <laughs> now, now I feel dirty. <laughs> so, all right, folks, we're, we're going to let Brian go. Um, and Brian again, thanks so much for being on the show. If you don't mind to hold the line for just one second, um, we'll, we'll let you go. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jamie. I appreciate it, man. Congrats on the podcast and good luck, brother. Thanks so much. We'll see you. You got it. Peace. So that's going to do it for episode number one of the Drum Shuffle podcast. Special thanks to Brian LaRue and everyone at Dream Symbols. Please visit them on the web at dreamsymbols.com. I hope that you found our podcast entertaining and helpful. If so, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes or whichever service you're using to listen. I also hope that you'll take the time to reach out to us with questions or show suggestions at podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at thedrumshuffle.com, and you can also find me over at jamieeds.com. Until next time, may your heads stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers.